And here we go, folks. Welcome to Inside Middle Tennessee on a pre-Memorial Day weekend before we get there on next Monday. Weather looks like it's going to be good. I'm sure people are going to be grilling out. Hay season is upon us. So, <laughs> and let us pray for good dry weather so the hay will cure and we can bale it. Well, we've had we've had a lot of dry weather here lately. Yeah. I'm already yeah. getting to the point where I'm putting sprinkler on my tomatoes. Yeah. Well, I w- want you to know, uh, was that Tuesday evening that we had hay down the ground and Mr. Higman was uh, waiting patiently for it to dry out and... Ellie Grace was in the swimming pool, and she looked up, and she said, I believe that's a rain cloud. And we all said, oh, no, Ellie Grace, that's not a rain cloud. Well, that night, the rain cloud came to fruition, and it rained on our parade. (laughs) So we think Ellie Grace could probably get a job with the weather department. Well, she'd be about as accurate. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Some days I'm like, do they just go outside and just like, yeah, then. I think they stick their hand out the window. (laughs) You know, I I like the weather thing that that, uh, used to go around. It was a picture of a rock hanging uh, by a rope. (laughs) And so if the rock's wet, it's rainy. If the rock's dry, it's not. If the rock's moving, it's windy. (laughs) Very scientific. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's the way they did it. Well, let me introduce the players. I'm Jim Ross. we got Terry Wilcox on the board. We have Representative Scott Sapicki in here, leading his boring life that he does. (laughs) He's intently looking at his laptop. That's right. And the dynamic duo of Sheila Hickman and Sarah Elizabeth Hickman. McLeod. You know, one thing we were talking about here, we always have just great, interesting conversations before, uh, <laughs> during breaks and before the show starts. And one of the things that, that uh, we covered that a lot of people can commiserate with is, and we ought to have a game show for this, how much can teenagers eat? Oh, you know, I, mean, I, you know I, I think about how much I ate. Being a competitive swimmer at Central, playing tennis, and I was in the band. You're just being a teenager. They're eating machines. Well, when Sarah Elizabeth was in the band and they had those very long practices and uh, they would, hordes of people came to my house because we had a swimming pool and that was good. We were glad. And I kept hamburgers in the freezer all the time because I didn't know how many children I was going to feed that day. <laughs> oh, yeah, never coming. And yeah. <laughs> Ross James, uh, he was the grill master in our group, and we wore one of our grills out one summer. <laughs> we were talking about that. I saw Ross the other day, and we were talking about that. Wearing oh, we grill. had such a good time. Scott, when you were a football player, did anybody have did the team just jump up after practice and run over to somebody's house and start to get fed? Half-time. Uh, so, sometimes it would be mostly, co- it was all organized through coaches because you had to have that a lot of food on hand. Yeah. <laughs> when, I mean, uh, it was really, uh, it was, it was really more prevalent in, in college uh, that you'd have boosters that would invite yes. the, you know, running backs and quarterbacks over for, and you'd have a cookout with there. But it was, it, when you get to college, there's a lot less team activities. Yeah. It's more... Oh, there she is. Ellie the Greek well, just walked there. in. Hello. Good morning. Our favorite prognosticator. <laughs> but uh, it, uh, it's more, it's, as you get into college, it's more your your uh, <coughs> position coach has, has stuff like that. So Yeah. Well, good deal. Did you like that? Well, what's everybody got planned for this weekend? Anything in particular? <clears throat> well, in the Hickman-McLeod household, 
wearing hay. So that is all we do. Ellie, Grace, and Mama and I do whatever we want to do. But Daddy and Sean and my cousin Bert are in the hay field. So we are proud that they enjoy working so hard. And Daddy got an enclosed tractor this year. So all right, got AC in it. AC, heat, radio. It's very nice. <laughs> all right, if you got hay on the ground, you were talking about Ellie Grace. You know, conjured up this rain cloud, yeah, and it did. was all her fault that we had it. It all, it all got wet. You told us it was going to rain, didn't you? Yeah. I thought that was a big scary cloud. <laughs> well, evidently it was. Now, once it gets rained on, how much longer do you have to let it lay? Or did you? Does it get ruined? Depends on how much it rains. Depends on the temperature. Yes. You have to tether. There's a lot of variables. Yes. A lot of variables. Tether it again. Uh oh. But it it does get a little worse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the nutritional value starts to bleed out the more it gets rained. You're losing the vitamins and minerals. Lose about three to five percent. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, now, (laughs) what's going on? Otherwise, spring practice over. Well, it is. there are a couple events for Memorial Day. Oh, yeah. So, so, let's, oh, yeah. Let's yeah. talk about yeah. those real quick. Let's talk about There's those. one tonight uh, up at Spring Hill at Fisher Park in Spring Hill on uh, Port Royal. Starts at 6 o'clock. And I know Polk Memorial Gardens is Monday at 10 a.m. Yes. And so that's normally a big one, too. That That's a very big, big thing. We want up in Spring Hill is very nice. Uh, Polk Memorial Gardens. Plus, there'll be other, other places. Other than, well, and this is usually decoration time um, for the cemeteries. Um, in the area we have that at our family. the American flags on in, in the national cemeteries. Yes, it's it's it is a it is a very somber time to walk your national cemeteries. Mm-hmm. When my father was buried, we would we would go out on Memorial Day, and you look at it, and all you see are American flags right, waving yeah. in the breeze everywhere, and those are people, men and women who serve their country. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty pretty yeah. somber pretty to see som- that. Yes, and there is a, a military cemetery in Nashville. Mm-hmm. If you've never been to one, um, but Arlington is the paramount sure. of, um, and I was there in March seeing the changing of the guard. So it was very I had, emotional. I had been to a couple of funerals at the at the one in um, outside of Nashville. Yeah. yeah, it's right outside of Nashville. Yes, right? toward Madison. Yeah. yeah, but and and the interesting thing is is that they've got kind of a. Pav- Instant enclosed, but a pavilion up there, and that's where they hold the service. Mm-hmm. But they don't allow you to go down to the gravesite. That's correct. Mm-hmm. That's know? correct. Now, yeah. I, I probably they they might allow the spouse or or maybe a representative uh, like a son or a daughter to go down. I believe there. one of the reasons why is because it's pretty fluid there. There's a lot of veterans that are that are passing on right now, and so it's kind of like when my father died, uh, he was uh, taken over there around 10 a.m. in the morning. And they had the ceremony at the little pavilion. And then when we left, as we were pulling out, there was another one pulling in. Yeah. Okay. yeah. They, they have, uh, I have uh, heard, how many? Pull it to you, Mama, you got to sit closer to the <laughs> microphone. I <laughs> mean, when we've been in Washington, they have been, you could see that there was a steady stream mm-hmm. of, of ceremonies, of burial ceremonies there. Mm-hmm. You know, do want to remind people too that this is Memorial Day. It's not Veterans Day, right? And I thought about that this morning. Yeah, Veterans got the memorial. We we honor and those who have fallen. And boy, you know, it was funny. I watched a uh, Alabama uh, veteran uh, show last night on PBS on people who went through World War II, and they were talking about combat, and several of them got wounded. And it 
it was it would make your skin have goosebumps. Yeah, yeah. Those, listening to some of that. Those oral history interviews and and the the documentaries and stuff. They're they're hard to watch, but they're important to watch. Mm-hmm. Well, if it doesn't scare you to death, it ought to. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, what you and, and I've done a, when I was in. I'm a history major, so I did a lot of these interviews. And the thing is, you're hearing something from them, mm-hmm. and you're trying to imagine it, where yeah. they're actually reliving it in yeah. their mind that they saw. Yeah. And giving you the the intricate detail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like you can see how it wells up inside them because from talking to veterans, when you're in combat, you don't think about the situation you're in and the humanity of it. It's basically trying to stay alive. Yes. When you get to reflect back on it, that's when all the emotions come into it and that's when it comes pouring out of them. But it's you don't get to experience their emotion because they're actually going back and living it from the day they were fighting that battle they're telling you about. Yeah, and I I regret not talking to one of my great uncles. Mm-hmm. Well, but, but he doesn't. He didn't talk about it. Uh, uh, well, so. there was PTSD before we knew that's yes. what it was. Yes. Well, my yeah. daddy, uh, my daddy's brother, Uncle Merrill, that he was so close to, um, was in the uh, South Pacific, and and he would he did not talk about it at all. And and what the only thing I can ever remember his saying was we tried to get him to go to the movies and he said. No, I had to sit on a coconut log and watch a movie during the war. I'm mm-hmm. not going to the movies. <laughs> <laughs> but he, my daddy said when he came back from the war that he had horrible nightmares mm-hmm. because, as Scott said, that it makes such an imprint on your mind and on your emotions. And, and young young men. Oh, yeah. 18, 19, 20-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, young men that never – I mean – they never they left grew, Murray County. They grew up in Columbia. Yeah. 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 They've been as far and, as nice. Right, and then they're fighting in Iwo Jima. They're yeah. fighting in Germany, and they're around the world, and it's every day. They don't know if it's going to be their last day, last exactly. minute, last yeah. anything. Yeah. And they have to – And I, I mean, I was at 21, 22. I was busy learning a playbook, right? <laughs> and these, these people are volunteering to go around the world and fight a war in North Africa. Yeah. Right? And it's like – just. Just a well, in, in our town, mom, one of Mom's favorite things, they said all they knew was the United States of America, and they went and died That's about it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, you know, I, I did an interview with a with a, a man that was uh, on Normandy, and I asked him. I said, "How in the world did you guys get in those landing craft, knowing with the with the casualty rates that the first wave was going to take?" He said, "I never thought of that." <laughs> because because it was a job. Yeah. It yeah. was just their job. They had to go do it, and they did it. Mm. I mean, it's like if you would self-preservation, right? Yeah. There yes. is no way I'm going there when I know what's waiting for me. Yeah. But they did it, and they had to do it knowing that they were going to sacrifice their lives, knowing that the second wave would get a little bit further, and then the wave after that would go ahead and maybe breach the wall. Yeah. You know, I don't know if y'all remember watching Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. The first 20 to 30 minutes of that show mm-hmm. scared me to death. Yeah. I mean, it was just horrific. I watched it with a couple of veterans, and the one thing they both said to me is, it's pretty, pretty, as close to accurate as you can get, except for one thing. I said, what's that? And he said, the smell. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah, just all that. Yeah. Of, of burning bodies and death everywhere, and people. Yeah. Insides hanging out everywhere. He said, you saw it because there were a couple pictures that were pretty gruesome there. Yeah. But he said, the one thing that was missing was the smell. 
Yeah. yeah. Smell of gunpowder, smell of explosives, yeah. right? So, wow. but uh, get out and, and, and go to these things and honor these veterans, honor these people that served our country. And if you ever get the time, especially on Memorial Day, but any day, walk around a national cemetery and just, just read the names of the people that, that served yeah, our country. Uh, when we were walking out of Arlington, when we were up there, we were looking at names and statues and all that kind of stuff. I looked it up while we were talking. There are 27 to 30 services each weekday at Arlington. Still? Still. And six to eight services on Saturday. I think they are... It's it's getting close. Close. And I know that they bury people on, like, a a husband, a spouse, like, on top of... Like, they're they're Mm -hmm. stacked. Yeah, they're stacked. Um, But, and I was noticing when we were walking up to the team of the Unknown Soldier, like, that's not, like, a flat area it's it's very yeah, hilly and and everything so um you know it's interesting um to walk through there and very emotional and that's you know there's certain places even now if you're at like a conference or something it's hard to get a room quiet scott can probably speak from experience it's hard <laughs> to get a room quiet but at arlington it was quiet mm-hmm. deathly quiet deathly quiet you know the other place that i heard is like that is Honolulu, Hawaii, at the Arizona? Oh yes. Oh they yes. Say you can hear yeah, we've a pin been drop. There. Yeah, we've been there. It is very emotional. We uh, the band, uh, Central High School's band. When I was a freshman, we played at Pearl Harbor. Wow. We were at one time. We were the last non-military band to play at Par- Pearl Harbor. What year was that? Uh, that was ninety-seven. Wow. And most a good bit of our band. Had never been very far outside. So we flew in three flights. Dad brought up the rear. (laughs) Mr. Brown was on the first one. Connie Kathy was on the second one. And Dad, we brought up the rear. And we got hung in Hawaii. But that's another story for another day. But it is very emotional at at Pearl Harbor. Wow. So when when you tour out there on the USS Missouri that now sits at commemorating the Arizona, the beginning of World War II, and the Missouri, the end of World War II, they've staffed that with veterans. And once we, when I was out there with my wife, it was veterans who served on the Missouri in World War II. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And they were talking. You could sit there, and I'm getting goosebumps because I remember this. You could sit there and talk to them, and they, could, they, they described on Battleship Row where the Missouri's sitting, they described what if you were on Battleship Row – what you would have seen, the the, the airplanes coming down at at, at the at the, uh, at the battleships, or you look up over here and you can see the air the dive bombers coming over, ready ready to dive, and they describe the whole thing to you, and he said the one you just can't imagine. Once it started, it was just chaos. Yes, yeah, just chaos, and that's what they told me. He said pretty much that sums up war in the battle. It's just it's chaos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're just trying to figure out your way through it. All the time. Well, I'll tell you what, folks. We're going to subdue this chaos right now. (laughs) And we're going to go into the structure of a few messages for you. And we'll be right back with Inside Middle Tennessee. 
Every morning, I park my car across the street from my business, and I can't wait to get in there. That's pretty common for small business owners. We have the added satisfaction, however, of guiding hundreds of families with their retirement, education, savings, and general investments. We're a locally owned business that tries very hard to simplify a complicated world. This is Monty Sneed from Caledonian Financial in historic downtown Columbia. Securities and investment advisory services offered through NBC Securities Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. This is Jumpin' Joe Wiley, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. And I'm Michael Parks Lawrence at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Together, we're Mr. Bobby Parks' grandsons, and we run his dealership, and we are glad to be part of our local community. Being family-owned and operated, we invest heavily in our community. We do things like sports teams, schools, bands, you name it. We try to help everybody we can. The reason why we do this is because we all love this community. So come do business with us, your neighbors, at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, right off Nashville Highway, or at ParksMotorSales.com. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Are you new to Murray County? We want to welcome you and your family. We are a local residential garbage service, and we want to be your garbage man. We've been around for over 30 years, so we have a reputation. Check us out at garbagemaninc.com or call Mike at 931-540-0919. You could also ask your neighbor. 931-540-0919. Hello, this is Rick Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. What is a full-service jeweler? Experienced staff, custom designers, in-house jewelry repairs, and beautiful jewelry. Yes, at Tillis Jewelry, we are passionate, knowledgeable, and committed to integrity. We strive to be the best in our community and in our profession. We build long-term relationships and become part of family traditions that will cross generations. We delight clients by providing an unparalleled selection, superior service, and exceptional value. Tillis Jewelry, we exceed your expectations. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years' experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. This is Sarah Elizabeth, and you're listening to Inside Middle Tennessee on Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM. 
And we're back with Inside Middle Tennessee. We already had one history moment. Now we get another one. Yeah, we get another one. <laughs> well, it's a combo. Uh, so next week, uh, the June 2nd and 3rd, is the Gardens of Columbia tour put on by the Polk uh, Memorial Association. Is that Thursday and Friday or Friday and Saturday? I think that is Thursday and Friday. No, it's Friday and Saturday. Friday and Saturday, that's it. That's right. So um, we're happy to do this again. Um, I'm on the Polk board, so, um, but... Uh, of the many hats. You want to chair another ball is all you want I to do. I do not want to chair another ball. <laughs> I did it in six, uh, Kendall Stivers Jones and I did it in six months. So that, that there was you quite go. a feat. But there's about uh, nine gardens you can go through um, in Columbia. Tickets are available at the Polk Home. Um, and uh, it starts at 10 on Friday um, and goes to... There's uh, all kinds of events going on. Um, Amy Montgomery is going to do um, a demonstration at the Polk Home, a floral demonstration in the Polk Home side yard um, at 10 a.m. both days. Um, And then there's going to be open hearth cooking demonstrations at the Polk Home in the kitchen from 10 to noon. Is Susie doing that? I don't know who's doing that. So... um, (laughs) And then at 1, um, there will be a bridal bouquet on Friday. It will be at 1, they're going to have a bridal bouquet and centerpiece demonstration by Carla Peterson with Willa and Vine. And on Saturday at 1, uh, Michelle Hughes with Bloomstall is going to demonstrate a sustainable floral arrangement method. So, do you have a list of the gardens? I do have a list of the gardens. Um, Obviously, Polk. The Polk Garden, the Anthonym. Um, you know, May's Place Stroll. So May's Place is um, off West Six. Off West Six. Um, the Bar Residence on May's Place, James and Kate, uh, James and Kate Bar's house. Um, there's a garden in Riverside, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, ben and Emily McKnight's garden. Uh, the Turchin and Killett's garden in Pond House. Um, Bobby and Molly Holloway's garden on Carter's Creek Pike, our neighbors. And then John Gibbons and Amy Montgomery Gibbons on School Street. So, be a fun day to, hopefully the weather will be good and, and everybody can stroll around and see these. There's going to be a plin art painters in the gardens. Um, so, that's a type of art. Um, and they'll You want be... to tell everybody what that means? <laughs> plain air. Plain air. So... I, th- I think that basically it means that it's where an artist takes the takes his easel, his or her easel, to the location. Yes, and just yes. paints. And, and just, just paints, paints uh, kind of live. They're not sitting in a studio painting from a picture or that they have or, or anything else. I mean, they, they go to the spot. I'll tell you where uh, a lot of plain artists go to or around here is Radnor Lake. Yeah. That's oh, yes. Huge That's huge. For that bunch. And then uh, in the gardens at the Polk Home, um, there is a, a art exhibit called "In Dialogue with History." Um, it's in the it's four Tennessee artists respond to historical events and people, um, and it it is funded by the Tennessee Arts Commission Arts Build Community Grant that I help administer for the district. Um, so um, and that's open to nonprofits, municipalities, and counties. Um, to do art events that help open the arts to communities. So, um, well, we have an arts district now. So. Yes, yes it's very cool. So. That's right. 
Um, but in there, in the, um, in the, we, they were asked, they asked me to write about Victory Gardens, so I'm going to talk about them a little bit. There you go. Um, so the Victory Gardens, um, this movement's not at all new. They, after the pandemic, you know, people thought about doing a Victory Garden. Some people, you know, during the pandemic, like, oh, I can garden. I have time to be home and I can garden and all that. Um, but the Victory Gardens were planted by U.S. citizens uh, during both world wars. Um, they were planted in communities that help increase food production. Uh, many families, especially in rural areas, already had vegetable gardens that helped make them self-sufficient during these difficult times. And um, most of them had already survived the Great Depression by raising their own food. And I did an oral history interview with my great aunt Ellie who my child is named after and my grandfather and my great uncle Merrill um, to talk to them about the depression and what impact it was at the farm and they said they had no idea what was going on because they raised their own meat and they did it to begin with yeah it's what anything new to them they no were, they were self-sufficient yeah they had to do it they had to do it already <laughs> yeah well, the only thing they bought was Mr. L. Sparkman's store up the road there they would buy a uh, sugar and they did not, but the, there was a mill over at Carter's Creek, and they raised their own corn, so they had corn meal. And the elevators were here, Columbia Mill and Elevator, and they uh, deposited wheat, and they could get flour there. And I think I've told y'all before, when I was little, we would go over there and get these enormous sacks of flour because my grandmother was a serious baker. And for the longest time, I thought they were giving us flour, and I thought, well, isn't that nice? And then somewhere along the line, it occurred to me that was like a savings account, and we were making withdrawals. But but I thought that. Oh, and the flour sacks were amazing. And that that one time, the flour sacks had patterns on them, and people made dresses out of flour sacks. I have a quilt that... or my great Aunt Ellie had pieced, and it's flower sacks. And people made dresses out of flower sacks. I know that sounds very uh, unfashionable and pitiful, but it was there was pretty material. And then it, when I can I can remember when you got a, a dish towel, a cup towel, sewed to the end of the of the flower sack, and then you take it off, and you had a free dish towel. <laughs> Life was a lot simpler then. But I, um, know, I, I do remember, and I read something on that. Maybe this last week, but but people started. I mean, obviously they were poor, and, oh, and they yeah. could not afford clothes. Yes, and so they were using the flour sacks, and the flour companies caught on to what was going on and purposely put patterns on oh, a flour yes. sack just for that reason. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, which is kind of a benevolent kind of thing, yeah. I think. And people, do. those people, my grandmother was frugal to the end. She 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 grew up in in the uh, in the twentieth century and raised her family during the depression, and she would save. She was tremendously uh, saving, frugal with all her things, and she would say, it is even a sin to waste a crust of bread. You're supposed to feed that to the chickens. (laughs) 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 So, at the beginning of World War I, Herbert Hoover was appointed by President Wilson to head the United States Food Administration, 
and Hoover declared food would win the war. So they the conflict required sacrificial contributions from every source. They had all kinds of drives. Metal drives, rubber rubber drives. Rubber was big. Yeah. All that for the war effort. Um, and there were victory committees here in Columbia. They were uh, established in every area to encourage the planting of gardens and the preservation of crops. Um, so th- that's when those like home clubs and all that mm-hmm. home demonstration clubs club. got all together. So, um, but then there were pamphlets put out about how to strategically plant your garden and what to plant in it and what how many plants to have and what size your garden should be and how to take care of it with, you know, to keep insects out of it and how to dry fruit and and all the vegetables and the canning and and all that. You know know what we have now for that, though, don't you? YouTube. Yes. Oh, well, I hadn't thought about that. (laughs) Sheila, there is a YouTube video for anything you want to do. How to dry your apples. Yes. Yeah, there is. It's true. That that is 100% correct. Back in the day, because there were so many people fighting overseas and the stress level was so high because you couldn't pick up a phone or you couldn't pick up an iPhone and do a FaceTime with your loved ones, you may get one letter a month. You yes. may get a letter every six months because you don't, and you don't know where they are. Uh, no, and so it was know. a way. These victory gardens was a way to let people do things that would distract them from worrying all the time. Yes, yes. And they were making a positive positive yes. to it because we all know that that you you know it's kind of like getting a free horse. There's no such thing. <laughs> no, There's no such thing as an easy garden no, either. No, well, if you're going to do it, it takes constant tending to Scott. At, at the beginning of World War II, our effort was in North Africa. Yes, yes. in the desert. Yeah, and so you had boys from Colombia who were in North Africa. Fighting in a desert, they had no idea what a desert was. And so, as back home, our job was to make sure that our troops had enough food, oh, enough yes. water, enough clothing. So, we sacrificed back home, ladies with nylons, right? Yeah. Yes. We, we sacrificed back home so that the troops abroad would, would feel as comfortable as possible defending our freedom. It was, a, it was just a different time. Well, and, and especially here in Murray County, the, the pumpkins. At the rainy, oh well, you uh, know that that tale about the um, they were going to raise pumpkins for the war effort because they had everybody around here raising pumpkins, and then the war was over, and they said, "What are we going to do with all these pumpkins?" And the rainy said, "Well, let's just get some hogs." So they <laughs> so they had had pumpkins fed to the hogs, and that saved the money, the crop. Yeah. That saved their money yes. from, from that. Yeah, yeah, that happened here. That's because everybody loves bacon. Yes. <laughs> everybody does. Bacon Bacon is good on anything, even bacon, ice cream. Bacon, bacon, <laughs> bacon. Yes, bacon. but it was estimated that the value of the crops that were produced through these victory gardens were about $5.2 million mm. Back then. Mm-hmm. A lot of money. A lot of money. And then World War Two came, and that was when the food rationing program came. You were issued a little booklet. You had rations. Um, stamps. Stamps to go get things. They rationed gas, too. Yes. Yeah. Um, and shoes. And, and shoes, clothes. Everything. So, Victory Gardens started popping up in front yards, backyards. Even schools got uh, involved. Vacant lots, green spaces in town. And even Eleanor Roosevelt put a victory garden on the front lawn of the White House in 1943. I bet she didn't pull the weeds. I bet she didn't either. I bet she had a pen. But it, it just, 
the victory gardens and gardens in general, I, there's some. Mama used to say there's something so therapeutic about getting out in the gardens and working. Digging and in the dirt. Digging dirt in the dirt. Is good for you. And yeah. so I have, as I've gotten older, I have realized the importance of getting out and in the dirt. Well, so, you know why? Because it reminds me of something that's, that Scott I've discussed about. I remember about two years on this show. He said, go a full day. Just go a full day without using your phone. Just turn it off and put it aside. I said, you'd be surprised at your anxiety level how much it'll go yes. down. And my yes. point is is that, that gardens do take time if you're going to do them right. And you got to tend to them. And that's a time when you don't have other distractions. Television's not on. You're not no, you're talking on your phone. you with nature. Yes. Yeah. Nothing's yeah. more peaceful than being out in our yard early morning, late afternoon, listening to the birds and just being out. Yeah. Right now, any... we've got predominantly cardinals. I think we got cardinals everywhere. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, the other day, Ellie Grace was swimming the other day, and... Um, uh, two blackbirds and two robins were into it, so it was like a comedy of errors in my backyard. It was great. Oh, we got we got three big Leland cypress on the back corner of my lot. We got a crow's nest in there. Oh, and boy, you talk about a vocal animal. Oh yes, they are, and and they also congregate a lot too. <laughs> and at a social event. That, I, now I I I don't know if Scott will know this or not, but I I know Sheila would. What do you call a Group of crows, politicians, politicians. <laughs> Close. <laughs> it's called a murder. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. I was trying to, uh, think uh, to do that. I stuck said, Sheila Hickman. Yeah. I cannot believe it. I knew that. I was trying to think of it. Oh, well, it's my phone ringing. And it's but... Paige Chamberlain. He's upset with you for not knowing that. Yeah, <laughs> that is a red letter day. I'll have to mark that one down. But we need that'll be a good show one day. What collective groups, nouns, collective mm -hmm. nouns, and what they. <laughs> Groups of animals are Groups called. Groups of animals are Because it really, is, it really does vary. I mean, it's it crazy. Now, who in the world came up with a murder of crows? I don't know. They'd be interested to know that. Well, I, I think I, in the, I had this class in college called, uh, I did Scottish, the Scottish Enlightenment period, and, the, and my professor drew a chair up on the board, and he said, why is a chair called a chair? I'm like, <laughs> I never thought of it that way. You know, why is that called, a murder called it? A group of crows. A little be interested to know the. I, of course, I love words so much, but the etymology of words. Where where did it? Uh -oh. <laughs> where where did it come from? Where did it come from? I am. Uh, next week, I'm I'm the keynote speaker at Delta Kappa Gamma at Swanee, and uh, and I'm going to talk about kindred spirits. Now that's an interesting where all that came from. That's a, that's a so, great name for a bar. Anyway, <laughs> let's throw that out there. Uh, All right, All right folks. family owned. Family yeah. owned. I tell you what, we're up against a break, and we're going to have a few messages for you, and we'll be right back with Inside Middle Tennessee. I don't know about you, but I just love doing business with small businesses. You feel appreciated when you walk in, and they know your name. At Caledonian Financial, we try very hard to appreciate our clients. We value everyone, and we reject the idea that you're not worthy of advice if you don't have a certain amount of money. We love our neighbors, all of them. This is Monty Sneed with Caledonian Financial in historic downtown Columbia. Securities and investment advisory services offered through NBC Securities Incorporated. Member FINRA and SIPC.
At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can always count on us for a great selection of late model, low mileage, one owner vehicles. All have been thoroughly inspected and are ready to go. You can even save time and buy online with our online shopping tool. Looking to sell your vehicle? Great news! We're paying top dollar for your trade. All makes, all models, and in any condition. Trade in and trade up today. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can count on us. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. This is Elk Kennedy. The old saying is, happy wife, happy life couldn't be more true. Many years ago, my wife, Mary Susan, had major surgery on her back but continued with chronic pain. Doctors were saying invalid, disabled, but then she found the Dr. Gill Center for Back, Neck, and Chronic Pain in Franklin, Tennessee. It has changed our lives. We visited there recently with Dr. Wendy Tui, saw the state-of-the-art facilities. Folks, don't take a pill. Call Dr. Gill. Go to callmepainfree.com. You're listening to the best in news, talk, sports, and music on WKOM 101.7 FM in Columbia, Tennessee. This is Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee. And we're back with Inside Middle Tennessee on an absolutely just Beautiful. Wonderful weekend. Don't you just love this time of year? Yeah. Yeah, we're just on the verge of June. You know that those famous lines from James Russell Lowell and what is so rare is a day in June. We're about, we're experiencing the prelude to those right now. Well, starting uh, June 1st and 2nd is supposed to be like 87. Yes. So now we're starting to kind of climb in yeah. humidity too. So is anyway, I, you know, I know things... Uh, that we think things are getting hot, but you know, Scott, anything anything hot going on with the legislature <laughs> right now? <laughs> I saw on the news last. I mean, on one of those little feeds that comes across the bottom of the screen, that some folks have petitioned the governor to cancel mm-hmm. the special session. What inspired that? Uh, I, I know who <laughs> listens. I know who listens to this radio show. So um, I will tell you this. Uh, 
under the Constitution of, the, of, of Tennessee, the governor, the executive branch, does have the ability to call the General Assembly back yes. in for any reason he deems pertinent. Appropriate. Anything he wants to do, and we shall respond. We shall be there if the governor calls us in because that is our job. Now, we do not have to pass the governor's legislation that he wants. We do not have to consider it. We could consider it alternative. We could say this is not the appropriate time, and we can make a motion to adjourn. But it is my job that when the governor of Tennessee says we need to have a special session, my job is to make sure I'm there to represent the people of Murray County so I can vote and hear and debate and, 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 and provide information so that we do. The letter was sent out in haste. Um, I, I know why the, the member did it. Um, it wouldn't be for the reason that I would have done it. I would have done it for a different reason. Um, but... Um, as you could see, there were only uh, two signatures on the letter, and, yeah. and that should be all I need to say about that. Yeah. Um, we will. I can tell you this: on Wednesday, I've been going up, folks, every th- three days a week, and we've been having meetings about uh, education. We know that's a very hot topic right now with a lot of people out there. Um, and I talked to um, uh, Sheila off off the mic here. What's getting lost in all of this controversy about our third grade retention bill? was the hard work and success that our students and our teachers were able to achieve with a literacy rate that we haven't seen since 2005 in third grade. under very trying circumstances. And even though with COVID, right, these kids and these teachers fought through that and got these kids... we think the number is going to be more like 42%. After the retest. 42% after the retest could be on grade level. And here's the, what, what a lot of people are missing is there are two categories for kids that aren't on track. One is approaching and one is below. In one year, we've moved the percentage of kids out of below into approaching at a number we've never seen before. So not only did we get kids on track, right, in unprecedented numbers, we got more kids who were multiple grade levels behind on at least less than one grade le- level behind. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. You, got them, you got them close. We got them close. Now, so what we're hoping is that with summer school availability for these kids, Push them right over we the can close the gap and get them on track so that when they do move on to fourth grade, now we could start to see fourth grade TCAP tests start to hit that 40, 45, 50% level. Now, here's what I will tell everybody. Yes, I know that 42% is not the number we're looking for as a whole. But from where we've come from and the work that our teachers have put in and our students have put in, we should be giving a lot of attaboys out there right now. A lot of attaboys. Well, now, Scott, also to put it in context nationally, because it seems like we're doing terrible, put that in context where we would stand nationally uh, some of these numbers. We think because because a couple of years ago when we had the special session and and the governor asked me to help carry this bill, and I'm, I believed in it, other states sat back and did nothing. And so when the numbers start coming out for national rankings, we think we're going to broach into the mid-30s. And, Sheila, I mean, I... I don't well, we know. have been in the bottom 40s. Yeah, we've so never now. been in this area in a long time. No, and but, and we we have been victims of uh, of COVID. Yeah, and and these children at critical times in their education, like 
preschool and kindergarten and first grade, right. they had a very disjointed school That's year. Correct. And if you ask me, it's remarkable that they've done as well as That's they right. have. And hats off to teachers. So what we're really looking forward to is, okay, so these were kids that had summer who took third grade this year. They had summer school and tutoring this year one time. The kids that will take the TCAP next year have had summer school and tutoring twice. Yeah. Yeah. We might see a huge jump. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. Everybody's watching Tennessee right now in education, especially in English language arts. So word's going to get out on the street real quick about, well, what did they do? And what, what you're going to start to see is we could make a huge jump statistically nationally, but once when everybody else starts copying what we did – are we able to sustain where we are and continue yeah. to grow, or are we going to fall back because the other racehorses figured out what, what we were doing? So the other thing we're going to start to look at <clears throat> is a couple other things. Uh, number one, <clears throat> we're going to look at best practices, right? There are those schools, and I, I talked about it, I think it was on Tuesday this week, uh, Joseph Brown Elementary, Title mm-hmm. One School. They went up 18 points in one year. They have almost a 50% literacy rate in third grade. Great job. There are other schools that went down. Okay, Joseph Brown, what did you do? Yeah. Yeah. And start to create across the state of Tennessee to, if I am uh, Jackson, we create a best practices list that Jackson could draw down and say, hey, we resemble this right yes, here. Let's try that. Let's try this. Instead of trying to reinvent the wheel everywhere. Well, just don't bring in a bunch of experts. Let, let's figure it out here at the house. That's right. And, and <laughs> Bob so, Duncan hated consultants. But, but, but here's, the, here's the best part, right? <laughs> we know, based off the data and the jumps we've seen, right, we know that people have had to have different focuses. So you, we up in Nashville, we bring these people in and say, okay, what'd you do? Mm-hmm. And so tried to figure this out. So a l- l- lot of moving parts here. Uh, the special session, uh, this whole covenant thing is, is just taking twists and turns everywhere. We're being told right now that that manifesto and toxicology report may not be released for a year or so in the oh. courts. I've got to have information to make good good decisions. I got to have it. And so we're trying to figure out what, what we're going to do. We we talked to the governor and explained to him I got to know the mental state of this individual so I can figure out based off of what happened, how did the system fail? Yeah. If it failed. Yeah. I don't know. But without that information, it's very hard to legislate. So that's what's going on. There's a couple announcements I want to make real quickly. I know we're up against it. Columbia Lions 2023 Youth Football Cheer Camp. It is coming, folks. Football is and cheerleading is right around the corner. Darn. Um, <laughs> it, the registration is – I'm sorry. The camp is June 10th at Eva Gilbert Park on 120 Concord Drive in Columbia. The cost is $50. Registration is 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., the camp is open to ages 5 through 12. Eva Gilbert is right off Campbellsville Pike. That's correct. Yeah, after, yeah. You, after you turn off James Campbell on the Campbellsville Pike. That's so. correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, autographs and pictures are from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. because they have some University of Tennessee special guests coming. 12 to 1 o'clock is the family, 
registration, I'm sorry, <laughs> registration is 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., camp is from 10 a.m. to 12, autographs and pictures are 12 to 1, and then they have a family fun day from 1 to 4. Uh, all campers will uh, provide with a drink, a hot dog, and chips, and they'll be able to participate in the dunk tank and the water slide, things like this. So um, if you want to, you can call uh, Coach Dickinson here and... And he'll be able to do it. I will not be in a dump tank. Oh, why not? Not with my, not with my hair. You forget, forget all of that. Not going to happen. Well, my hair uh, either. So I want to give or a couple. Lack thereof. I, I, I want to give. I want to give an attaboy here. Uh, Griffin Cooper, back to back state champion from Columbia Academy in the high jump, back to back state champion. Congratulations That's to Griffin great. Cooper. That's pretty cool. Awesome. You know how high he went? Six, six, uh, eight. Good, Good lord. Six eight. Wow. And he looks like uh, he's a very, very good basketball player, too. Uh-huh. So he might have some options here. I think, I, I, I don't know if it's for a fact, but I think Vanderbilt's recruiting Griffin. So he might want oh, to be Also, talk about coming close. Columbia Academy girls softball was going for the four-peat. Mm-hmm. Going for the four-peat. They went to the state tournament. They won their first game. They lost to Silverdale in the second game, one to nothing. Went into the losers bracket. They beat Jackson Christian two to one. Got into the championship series against Silverdale, and it's double elimination. So they would have had to beat Silverdale twice. They lost to Silverdale two to one. Oh, oh wow! So they lost to Silverdale one nothing, and, and lost to Silverdale two to one, and came up a couple games short of a four peat. Wow. So congratulations to those th- those young ladies. Outstanding job this year. Oh, and here's yes. they don't graduate many seniors. Oh, so well, they might be going back so they can here. start a new streak next mm-hmm. year. And then, uh, like you said, um, football is right around the corner here. Uh, we are into the dead, the dead period in high schools right now. We'll be getting cranked up here in a little bit. All the football camps are out there. I will tell you this, folks. If you have a high schooler that has ambitions of playing college football, you need to get them into football, these college football camps around t- around uh, Tennessee and, and let them start to see their, their grade-level competition about what it's going to take to compete at the college level, and they will be getting coached by college coaches. And most of these camp prices are between 40 and 60 bucks. So yeah. you, can have at, you can go to University of Tennessee football camp and have Josh Heupel's coaching staff coaching your kid, and it might cost you 40 50 bucks. It's a good deal. Mm-hmm. A lot of those are invites, too, if I remember right. They are, but, but most of them is open because it's different now. You have to go market yourself. If you're a five-star, everybody's chasing you around Everybody like prom queen. Everybody's chasing you around. But if you're a, you know one, two, three, or four – you have to go market yourself, and a lot of them base their their scholarship and recruitment is how interested you are in them. That's interesting. No, it's definitely a back and forth because mm-hmm. I mean, my daughter played Division One, and mm-hmm. and they somebody will see you at an AAU camp, and they'll send you a letter, and it may have a questionnaire on it, and if they get it back, they kind of go, oh, well, maybe they're really interested in us, and so then they take a little closer look. At you, and then all of a sudden it just starts ramping up, and it ramps up, and then all of a sudden, you know, if you get lucky, you got a scholarship offer. Um, I mean, they, I mean, Tennessee. Uh, Gabriel's been invited to Tennessee Tech's camp. He's going to go to their camp, right? Because yeah. their coaches, they've seen Gabriel in person. Now they want to see him on the football field. They want to see his athletic ability and how you move and and what and the measurables, right? And Your then, speed and just see you, right? Yeah. And, and and then they can start to figure out, yeah, you can compete. 
and you'll be competing. I mean, uh, Daniel, my, my, my youngest, when he goes, he's football camps on offensive and defensive line because he's so big. He was a freshman last year doing this, going to be a freshman last year doing this, and they were pulling him up to compete with the juniors and seniors. Yeah. Well, now he's going to be a sophomore, and I told Daniel, I said, you're going to be competing against the juniors and seniors because they want to see right now, can you do it? Because you got the size. Mm-hmm. And if the answer is yes, then they're going to start pulling you aside. Yeah. And saying, and have, you, have you thought about this? Yeah, but, you know, the other thing about him going to camps is all of a sudden he gets to be with a group that's just as big as he is. Right. And the defensive yeah. linemen are just as fast, just as physical. So they want to see, okay, you got a, a kid who's 6'4", 280 as a, as a freshman, right? Yeah. Can he, can he block somebody in pass protection who is a senior who's three years older than him, a lot like Gabriel, a lot more experienced, and maybe weighs 230, 240? Yeah. And you see. Yeah. You see. But he's quick. <laughs> so don't forget about Memorial Day this weekend, folks. Yes. Uh, t- t- if, if you can't get out anywhere to see anything, just take a moment. I, PBS usually has something on. Um, yes, that's like from DC for Memorial Day. So, I think so. Yeah, the Gary Sinise Foundation or something like that. Well, you know, and Terry Wilcox is in the midst of a little league baseball. How's that going? Oh, it's going fantastic! And it's videotaped now. I mean, you can watch it live on TennesseeSportsNet.com. You can go to their website or. Or go to our website and get the link, and you can actually watch the game on the field as we're broadcasting it. Uh, last night we had two four-to-one games. Uh, next week is the last week for regular season. Two weeks later, the the districts will be in uh, Tullahoma. Uh, we will follow the Columbia uh, team as they travel. And then uh, I think it's the first week or second weekend of July will be the state tournament right here in Columbia. Oh, wow. So the 12-year-olds, we've been very fortunate. Uh, We've got to see the last two years. uh, Columbia had a good team, but we got to see the Nolansville team. And um, last year we beat them the first time we faced them. They come out of the winner's bracket and just blew us away. (laughs) And and as we know, they went all the way to Williamsport, finished second in the country. They they had a great program over there. Oh, they do. And they continue. And and if, if you get to see them play, it's like watching Vanderbilt. The uniforms are identical with the stripes, and uh, then their coach. One of the coaches is a pitching coach for Vanderbilt, a kid on the team, or he was, anyways. Uh, very good. They have a lot of good. They usually have six or seven good pitchers on their team. They throw everything from sidearm. It's amazing watching them. But anyways, that's going. That's coming up. So make sure you support Columbia American Little League. Uh, we'll be there. This coming Thursday for the last regular season game, I will have my friend Sean Carson will come and do take me out to the ball game for us, and uh, we just love doing it. It's it's this is our fourth year, and uh, Lou and I just enjoy doing it. Well, y'all are good at it too. Well, you know, you're good. At, you're good Lou, at color. Lou is great at play Lou, by play on baseball. He is. Lou is amazing, and uh, we've grown up with the. We've watched the kids. Lots, you know, some of them were the younger ones. They've come all the way up. We get to see them every year as they progress. Oh, the twelve-year-olds will move on, and then the, the the next age group will move in. But it's fun. You get to see them play, and uh, a lot of a lot of the players have gotten. You can see the improvement from year to year. All right, T. Willie, we're hit the end of the hour, but I know we've got some other programming notes. Probably do we not for we the do. weekend? We got Atlanta Braves uh, all three days, uh, five o'clock.